Welcome to the BT Focus podcast dedicated to the behavior technician experience and the delivery of ABA services. Welcome, listeners, to our first episode of the BT Focus podcast. I'm Brian Kaminsky, and I'm joined today by Centria Chief Clinical Officer, Dr. Braden Josephson. Good morning, Brian and uh, fellow co-host. Uh, excited to uh, talk today about our first episode and some of the topics we talked about before, but really excited and passionate about engaging our BT community. As a former BT, we used to say BT for life. So I've That's right. been a behavior technician. I know you have, and we share that passion. And we really want this podcast to be a conduit for our clinicians and technicians and and management to really be communicating on a regular basis and making sure we're all on the same page. Absolutely. You know, our overarching goals are to build community, to um, inform, to engage, and really just highlight the incredible work of our talented behavior technicians across the country who are doing invaluable work with supporting individuals through ABA therapy. I think this really should be a bi-directional communication for us to certainly report out. Uh, But I really am excited to hear back and and to help a lot of the content that we discuss be guided by our technicians and have our technicians be a a real lifeblood of this podcast. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And you make a great point of, you know, this could be a really unique feedback loop of sorts where we can not only speak about the initiatives and projects that we have underway to support our technicians, but we want you to be a part of that conversation as our as our listener. So uh, we'll talk about a couple of different ways in which you can submit your thoughts, ideas, suggestions, feedback in just a bit. Uh, but I thought, Braden, maybe we start off with our first segment and uh, the segment we'll call when did you know? What was your aha or your light bulb moment? When were when did you really feel bought in and invested in ABA therapy as a whole? Mm-hmm. And how has that impacted your career and and um, what you do today? Mm. Well, you know, it reminds me, uh, and just in terms of my development, I was a psychologist before I was a behavior analyst. Um, in large part due to the fact that when I was a psychologist, there was no behavior analytic uh, certification board. There was no BACB. Uh, we as psychologists who had been trained behaviorally kind of thought that we had that covered. But, uh, you know, certainly Jerry Shook uh, created an amazing organization and, and in many ways was part of a movement. Uh, but, you know, the light bulb comment also reminds me of that sort of famous uh, or infamous psychology joke, you know, how many psychologist does it take uh, to change a light bulb? And, you know, the answer is uh, it doesn't really matter how many psychologists this, uh, the light bulb has to want to change first on its own. We'll have to update that for the behavior analytic community. Uh, but for me, I think, you know, always wanting to get into sort of, you know, a healthcare sort of helping field. Uh, that was always part of my passion, even from a very young age. If I had to go back and sort of say, when did I know that autism was going to be a part of my professional career and certainly personal in terms of advocacy work and autism walks I've done and, you know, sort of supporting the community outside of work as well. I think I'd have to go back in time. Uh, and going back in time is, you know, that's where we should have the music and the podcast through the back in time noise. But I've got actually, the DeLorean in the back, so <clears throat> we'll be ready for it. There you go. Okay. How many gigawatts is it? Um, but anyway, <laughs> I saw my first child with autism in 1994, which is scary because I'm guessing a lot of our podcast listeners were either born, you know, if not in 1994, uh, you know, even more recently. So, 
uh, we appreciate you know those efforts. Uh, but I was a doctoral student getting my PhD in psychology, and I was working as an extern in a community-based school that was loosely described as helping kids with special needs. And at that time, you know, the prevalence of autism was not where it is today. Uh, it was not being tracked by the CDC and being reported out like it is today to the you know general general public. It was not part of our vernacular. A lot of times, you know, people say, you know, I don't remember a time before there was the word Google or, you know, certain things that are ubiquitous in our language now. Uh, autism's kind of the same way. Back then, you know, people didn't use the word autism and autistic and individuals with autism with the frequency that we do now. So it really was, you know, we had Rain Man. That was it. You know, uh, that was the real sort of cultural bringing together of what autism meant. Um, I was at the school, I was leaving, uh, I saw a job board listing. Uh, these are also a little antiquated <laughs> out of time things, but uh, it was looking for someone to provide home-based ABA services to a young girl who was about five years old. And as many of us graduate students at the time, and I'm sure even since, you know, appreciate I was poor and I needed to make money. And I was like, okay, I'll try this ABA thing out. Uh, how hard could it be? Uh, what would it be like? So I pulled the little tab with the name and the number. I called and, you know, not there soon after I did my first session of ABA therapy. Uh, I, you know, had been working in a classroom doing ABA therapy. So it wasn't like I didn't know what ABA was. But uh, it was my first sort of session out in the field with a family in their home uh, and working one-on-one -on -one, uh, with them, you know, and what I would loosely describe back in the day as a DTT, Lovasian kind of method. And it was intense. You know, this girl was five years old. She was just starting to get ABA therapy. Now, in certain areas of the country, as you know, kids are getting ABA therapy as young as two years old and younger. Uh, unfortunately, the, the age of diagnosis still hovers around four, you know, for the country. So it, there's still opportunities to get in earlier, and we know how important that is. But um, I was fascinated. I was passionate. I was excited. And I remember walking away from that session uh, with a lot of sweat on my brow, a lot of exhaustion. And, you know, I was younger then, so my back didn't hurt. But uh, I got up and I said, wow, that was really intense. And I remember driving home that night to my apartment and I said, I am going to get this young girl to speak, like if it's the last thing I do. And, uh, you know, I've learned in my years in professional work that I'm patient in certain circumstances. I may not be patient if I'm stuck in traffic, uh, but I found with this population, I was tremendously passionate as well as patient. So I committed myself to go back every day uh, to work with her on the programs, to take her into the community. I was already planning for multiple exemplars and thinking about, you know, generalization and things like that. And, you know, over a period of time, we got her to become vocal verbal and it was really exciting. And it just it sort of just clicked for me and it clicked for me in a way that sort of set a trajectory for my entire career as a psychologist in terms of early intervention and evaluation and learning the ADOS and the ADOS 2, as well as, you know, setting up ABA programs, being a team leader, being an RCD, if you will, being a supervising clinician all the way up to chief clinical officer. So um, that was sort of my light bulb moment. And, you know, uh, it just really uh, sort of encapsulated for me, you know, what was going on and what was, you know, important for me professionally. And, and you know, just for the record, I think I made $5 an hour and I was thrilled. Yeah. So just a little economic appreciation there, but, uh, that would be my, uh, my light bulb moment, Brian. That's tremendous. And I, I think you, you touched on so many just core themes of my own, you know, when did I know moment, which I'll share at a future episode. And you, you touched on several seeing client progress firsthand and the realization that my behaviors, what I do as a behavior technician has a direct impact on this child's life. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about the importance the importance of uh, persistence with patience as well. So these incremental changes over time, we, we don't always necessarily necessarily see them immediately. Sometimes we do. However, the cumulative effect of all of those efforts over time, it's, it's truly life-changing. So um, thank you, Braden, for sharing your when did you know moment. And to our listeners, to our behavior technicians who are joining us for this first episode, we want to hear your when did you know moment and hear more about your story. So there's a couple I'm, of ways you can do that. Yeah. Did you have something you wanted to add, Braden? Well, please give all the details on how our BT community can start sharing theirs, but don't think I'm letting you off the hook. You're, <laughs> you are next. I, I want to hear uh, all right. your life bold moment. Episode two. All right. We got a little bit of a teaser for that for episode two. You got to come back and I'll, I'll be happy to share. So nice. uh, awesome. So to our behavior technicians out there, we want to hear about your experience as well. So there's a couple of ways that you can uh, share thoughts, feedback, stories for the podcast. The first is by leaving us a voicemail at our Google Voice account. So that number is 248-215-2462. And that inbox will function as a great way to provide us feedback. But we also, with your with your permission, can share some of those submissions on the air. So you can actually hear your, your stories uh, come to life and share it within our, our community. The other way, if you just want to provide us written feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at btfocus at centriahealthcare.com. So you've tested that number. It works. Do I have to call it and make sure it's it's plugged in? And uh, I think you should do another another double check, Braden, just to be sure. But yeah, we uh, we are we are rolling on that. So I'm really excited to hear uh, your submissions and uh, tune back in to to see if they come on on air. So. So speaking of hearing from our behavior technicians in the field, this next segment is what we're going to call our BT Spotlight. In our first BT Spotlight, we sit down with Alexandra Hughes, who is one of our behavior technicians in Michigan. Excellent. All right. Well, today I am joined by Alexandra Hughes, who is a behavior technician in Michigan. And I just want to say welcome, Alexandria. Thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Well, for for those of our listeners um, who this is the first time meeting Alexandra, want to give us a little bit of a background with yourself, how long you've been with Centria, and what are you doing with us currently? Well, I've been with Centria, let's see, a year, a little over a year. Um, I'm a behavior technician coordinator and also an ABA therapist. I joined Centria because I wanted to go further into behavior analysis as someone um, that, you know, graduated college with uh, a psych degree, a bachelor's. Uh, My intent was to gain more experience and also seeing the the environment of Centria, um, seeing that environment through interviews just, you know, it made me want to work there. (laughs) Yeah. The story is is really cool. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah, you're someone who's has just an awesome perspective because I know during your time at Centria, you've worn many different hats. So you've seen our organization through a, a number of different lens and you've interacted with countless behavior technicians in many different ways. Do you want to share with us like what what was your role initially when you first started at Centria and what were some of the things that you would work on? Initially, I was a behavior technician coordinator. So 
it was me uh, assisting behavior technicians with things such as uh, studying for the RBT exam, um, providing information on career options, uh, also walking them through different steps on uh, how to receive incentives as, as well. Um, and I'll say the biggest piece of uh, what I do or what I did as a um, behavior technician coordinator was the RBT process. Uh, learning the ins and outs of that whole thing when it was very new, constructing my own study materials, doing research, uh, learning how to navigate the BACB, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, right? Learn it's, it's a, uh, to get it to work just right. And yeah, yeah, a lot of moving parts. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, I had the pleasure to talk to a lot of technicians through that process and, and learning what they go through and just being supportive. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was an interesting role, but like, I enjoyed it. I did. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So then let's fast forward a little bit and uh, let's say spring of this year, right? Or I'm sorry, with COVID time, as you know, it starts to blend. Let's let's back up to maybe, you know, four to six months ago and how you entered the field as a behavior technician as well. Uh, how I entered the field. Um, let's see. Well, I say it was an interesting situation with how I entered the field. <laughs> During but an interesting timing. time in the, the world, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the timing was perfect, though. And, and so in a strange way, this was the timing. Uh, and, and it was a little scary at first. Yeah. And it took a little pushing. But I'm glad I took the push. <laughs> I yeah. would say that. Um, you know, entering the field as uh, in a time where, you know, COVID is happening, and that was, uh, was it May, I would say? Yeah, about May. Um, and dealing with the circumstances that come with it. Uh, it was my first like time learning how to be a BT. Yeah. Um, so one thing I will say is the experience I have uh, in COVID is different. It, my normal is different for the normal of pre, something that never existed. COVID never <laughs> existed. So like my normalness of how to be a VT, uh, how to enter it is just completely different than everyone else's. Um, but also, you know, that's not all bad because you learn how to deal with extreme situations in COVID. So it's absolutely. Right well, thing. you know, the, you, you kind of, you know, epitomize like what it means to be adaptive and flexible and really just put the needs of our client first. You know, it, it's been said like many times, but it's very true. You know, behavior analysis is an essential service. So, you know, I've, I've got three little kids of my own at home and, you know, God forbid they get sick or they need to go to the doctor. When I go to the doctor, I'm expecting somebody to be here, right? Going to the pharmacy, I'm expecting somebody to be there and our families depend on us in the same way. So yeah, obviously there's much further precautions we have to take and, you know, processes to follow and, um, you know, all of the different protective equipment and, and behaviors that we can um, put into effect to make sure that we're providing services safely. But um, I got to say, wow, so impressive. If Entering the field now, it's like, man, you can do anything, right? <laughs> it's, exactly. The stakes have not been higher, but you could not have done a more amazing job of rising to those stakes. So um, that's amazing. So so now you're in a really cool role where you're really wearing multiple hats, right? You're, you're working in the department, um, supporting technicians, but you're also in the field at the same time. What has that 
been like for you? I will say, um, I don't know. It, it's like everything I would say is coming full circle. Like I understand um, a little more what texts are saying uh, when I'm receiving those emails or calls about different problems they're having. Um, you know, I've, I've always been sympathetic, but now I'm even more sympathetic to the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, just dealing with families on a daily basis and constantly seeing the changes and growing that relationship and learning how to maintain it um, and how important that is to maintain it. Uh, It's helped me tremendously um, with problem solving on the tech's behalf, thinking, putting two and two together and thinking, okay, no, this is what's happening. I've experienced that this can be tough. Being understanding even more um, than I was. Um, I also say too, I don't think a lot of people, when I'm contacting them or talking to them, they don't know, like this person has the tech experience too. (laughs) So the assumption, uh, on their end is this is just some HR person, but by me helping them and talking to them a little more, you know, it, uh, we're able to solve the problem better because they're like, okay, oh, so she, she knows she's, you're walking the walk here, you're right there with him. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's very helpful um, in, in both areas, in the field and also uh, as a coordinator. Totally, internal. totally. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to have a, you know, very similar, you know, experience as well, starting off in the field as a behavior technician and, um, you know, seeing seeing things through our behavior technician's lens, you know, the role of the field staff development department, which you're a part of and I'm a part of is to provide supports to the people that support our families, right? And so um, I think it's just amazing to look at things with that degree of, you know, empathy and problem solving and all of those things to support our technicians who are doing the most important work. So very cool. So now fast forward to, you know, October, having this conversation, things are kind of coming full circle for you, as you alluded to. So you started off one of the core processes you supported was the RPT process, and now I understand you're going through the process of becoming an RPT yourself. What's that been like? <laughs> uh, it's cool. It, it, I sometimes just kind of laugh because it's like I've been this teacher for so long <laughs> and now I have to be taught. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it's cool to have both perspectives um, because from a teacher standpoint, I can be an even better teacher. Yep. You know, going totally. through the process firsthand is always the best uh learning tools to be better at something. Um, I'll say the process has been good. Uh, it's been, I would say, I'll say it's been different than I thought it would be. Um, the, there has been like, I don't know, like technicians would say like difficulty and, and I see a lot of the emails and, and calls where they're worried, you know, it, our eyes are drawn more to the problematic things <laughs> typically. Uh, so, you know, seeing that on the other side of that, it isn't, you know, that difficult. And if you do this, you know, it can work out. Uh, seeing both sides, it's allowed me to not just see those emails that are problem solving, those calls that are problem solving, but also, you know, the good in it as well, too, as far as uh, how helpful it is. Yep. Um, going through it firsthand, you see each piece of it. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Just knowing it on a, on a deeper level, experientially, right? Um, you know, I just think about how amazing that is, and how many more beaver technicians are going to be able to help support as a result of it. So that's great. Um, next question, just for listeners to get to know you a bit more, like what's maybe one thing you're passionate about outside of ABA? Outside of ABA, um, I would say social activism and art. Um, I take social activism as a second job and uh, I've always been into activism, but in 20, I was going to say 2019, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> COVID started in, in uh, but um, no, yeah, since COVID, it's just taken on a whole new uh, wave. And, and I decided I'm going to, you know, make the most of my passions. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Question for you on the topic of, of social activism has looking at the world through the lens of ABA, has that, influence the way you look at things? Um, has that had an impact overall? Um, oh, okay. Like in social activism, does it? Yeah. You know what? It has. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting is uh, there's, you know, applied behavior analysis. You're providing pros- positive reinforcement, um, you know, and my thing I've always, like I've been trying to do is make sure and this is where I says it is rubbing off on me, like uh-huh. <laughs> being <laughs> in ABA is rubbing off because I like to make sure people know how great of a job they're doing, get the credit that they deserve and how great they are. I see a lot of uh, activists that don't get the credit mm. and looking historically at who has led movements. A lot of women have led movements, but a lot of times you won't know that because of the his- history and how um, things fail in history. Um, and I just try to make sure anybody, whatever their passion is in activism, gets that credit and are told, you're doing an amazing job. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're the best ever. Everyone deserves uh, positive reinforcement. Everyone deserves to feel good. Yeah. I, I've heard a great description of positive reinforcement, which is, you know, something we talk about all the time in ABA. And it's, the accumulation of the small kindnesses of life. Wow. That's, that's pretty powerful stuff. Right. But it's true. And to me, like, you know, being in the field for as long as I have, you know, you start to see the world through the lens of ABA. It's to me that I can't, I can't turn it off. There's no separation anymore. And so when I think about things like social equality and things of that nature, it really helps me to, you know, when there's two very different sides to things, right? It helps me just to see that person. Everyone is a byproduct of their history, their learning history. And so it helps me to see somebody who might have a, a different viewpoint, not as somebody that is less than or anything like that. It's just, oh, this person, that was their experience and that was their learning history. And and the great thing is behavior analysis, we know that behavior can change right? Um, I had an amazing opportunity in 2018 to uh, travel to South Africa. So I got to learn about you know, the life of Nelson Mandela and the amazing work that he did over the course of his lifetime. And he had this quote, and I thought it was just so perfect um, and, and relevant to behavior analysis. His quote is, no one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or the background or his religion. 
people must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally for human heart than the opposite. So, you know, what is ABA other than the science of learning, right? So ABA gives me just an overwhelming sense of optimism in the world. And, and I, I think that the world needs more behavior analysts in these really important areas um, that we're discussing. Optimism so what got us here. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So wonderful. Wonderful. Well, a couple more questions for Alexandria. Um, what do you think now that you've been in the field for several months now, what are some of the characteristics or traits that you think would be um, in a behavior technician that has behavior technician that has the most success? Like, what do you think are some of the qualities that make up a great behavior technician? I would say being organized. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a big one. Uh, and from the beginning, just prioritizing being organized. I'll say that flexibility, um, ability to adapt to changes, um, what, what does not seem possible, um, just being able to adapt and being open to change. Um, I will also say, uh, no, just being considerate, um, understanding. Um, yeah, just because not everyone has the same situation as you. So you can't, they can't control certain things, you know. Um, yeah, you just have to keep that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think you're spot on, you know, the ability to be adaptable and to be flexible, you know, that that demands a lot of effort and, and practice and hard work, right? So it's, it's a skill that we have to constantly work on as practitioners, right? We work on these things with our clients all the time about being able to adapt to changes in schedule and, and things of that nature. And it's like, what has COVID been other than a total exercise in adaptability, <laughs> right? And yeah. changes in, in, in schedules and routine and for everyone and every facet of life. So, um, you know, I feel like we get to walk that journey with our clients together. And I think that's uh, your, your spot on there. Um, one more question for you. What, if in any way, has being a behavior technician changed you as a person? That is a good one. <laughs> um, I'll say, I don't know, like, I mean, I've always been this way, but like now it's, it's a lot more. I'll say like caring about everybody or wanting everybody to be okay. Yeah. Like even like enemies or throughout activism or air in life, I, like I can look at that person and um, try to see what they're possibly going through and not just say they're the enemy. Even if they say the worst thing to me, you know, I want them to be okay, knowing that we're stronger together as, you know, as a people. And I think about that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, it's a battle. It's like, feels like sometimes it'd be easier not to care. Sure. <laughs> but. <laughs> It's like, you know, I, I feel like it has made me more compassionate, more caring about just people in general as a whole. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the everyday of caring for a client and um, making sure they're okay, you carry that outside of ABA every day. Sure. The pattern, it, you know, it doesn't just, you leave work and that pattern goes away. <laughs> like, no, that's habit. 
Um, so definitely changed for the better, changed me for the better, for sure. Incredible. Well, Alexander, I just want to say on, on behalf of all of our, our families that you've, you've touched and all of our behavior technicians that you've touched, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the ways that you support our mission. And um, we're just so appreciative of your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to have the opportunity. Thank you, Alexander, for your excellent comments and your sharing your experience with us. Um, now we're going to go to our next segment where we have listener submitted uh, Q&A. So every month or so, we'll be sending out a reoccurring survey where you can share your ideas for the podcast, some uh, stories and, and perspectives. Uh, we're going to have uh, aspects of it where you can share some of your tips for new behavior technicians in the field. Um, and let's, let's jump into it. So for our first listener submission, the question we, we asked is, um, what advice would you give to a new behavior technician? And this comes from uh, Mariana in California. Mm -hmm. She says, be open-minded. Each client and family is different and you'll have fun while you're assisting each client. So my, Braden, I'm going to pitch this question to you. Uh, sure. What advice would you give to a new behavior technician? Um, the advice I give to a behavior technician is really get to know the parents or caregivers on your case. Um, I think, you know, there's an eagerness once you've got these new tools and skills to go out there and use them right away. And I can appreciate that. And I certainly carried my bag of tricks as I went into my cases. And you know, if I had a new squad car that made a noise, I was ready to get down and use it as a reinforcer. Uh, but I think it's good to check in with our parents. How was Johnny today? How are things going? Did he have a good night's sleep? Uh, how's he feeling? Uh, how was your weekend? What Did you go to the park? Did you work on manding? Did you you know, how's it interacting with his cousins and his brothers and sisters? I, I think getting sort of a, a baseline sense of how the day's going, because we know that individuals with autism and their families like, can sometimes be in chaotic circumstances. And sometimes the populations that we work with have lots of chaos in their life, independent of their child with autism, as we all do, especially now during COVID. So I think getting sort of, you know, a framework for what that session is going to be like for you in that particular moment is really helpful and effective. And I think it also engages you with the parents and caregivers who oftentimes see you rightfully so as the experts, but often feel disconnected from the work that you're doing and, you know, probably don't feel comfortable asking or maybe feel intimidated or unsure about ABA. So, you know, I think to the extent that you can engage them, I think is, is really going to help your session and equally help, you know, your child make the progress that they need to do. Absolutely. I think that's great advice. And I guess if I had to share maybe one pearl or of wisdom or something from my perspective, um, and this is especially uh, true for new behavior technicians, but my piece of advice is uh, be patient with yourself. And mm. what I mean by that is oftentimes as you're in a new environment and you want so badly to see this child succeed, you have before you, all, all of the goals that you want to see that child achieve. And um, if that doesn't happen quickly, oftentimes it's you reflect back on, is it something that I'm doing? What can I do better? Um, and I think it can often be a source of burnout with our new technicians as well, where they they just feel this great need as, as they should and as we all do to make a huge impact. Um, and the key there is if you just apply that same drive on a day in day out basis, you will see progress. So in the short term, in the interim, be patient with yourself, 
ask a lot of questions. I always say, if you want to be successful in ABA, you absolutely will. Your clinicians are there to see that you're successful. All of our support staff are, are built around you to see you succeed. So be patient with yourself and, and good things will, will always follow. You know, that's a good one. Uh, I'm writing some of these tips down for myself. Uh, this is good stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It'll be published in our paperback coming out. Uh, <laughs> there you go. That's right. Uh, okay, great. Our next question, what topic segments or ideas would you like to see incorporated into the BT Focus podcast? And Gretchen in Portland writes, I would love to see some information on how to deal with difficult days, both with our kiddos and techniques for ourselves to help our sessions go better. And you know, that is such a great question. And I speak, and I think especially in a, a COVID environment, um, you know, the the topic of self-care has never been more important, right? Mm -hmm. In order to mm -hmm. take care of others, we must first learn how to take care of ourselves. And there's a lot of great research and, and resources out there um, that goes into that. Brayden, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's very much true. I remember for myself, uh, you know, maybe getting even not expensive, but sort of fun takeout food in between uh, sessions was a big thing for me. Uh, you know, I think that's important. And, uh, you know, I think that also thinking about reinforcers, I used to like to go shopping again in dollar stores and get new reinforcers. I was excited to use them too. So we know our kids um, to, you know, be excited about what they're doing and being reinforced by what they do. Uh, new and novel stimuli is really important. I think getting a good night's sleep is important, uh, taking personal time when you can. Um, listening to good music if you're driving between sessions to kind of pump you up and keep you going. Good podcast. Good podcast, <laughs> making sure that those are, you know, logged in your phone and ready to go. Um, and I think at the end of the day, that's a real opportunity to, um, you know, do the kinds of things that we need to do. So I would say that those are some of my favorites. Excellent. Excellent. That's great. Great advice and uh, certainly a topic that we could have an entire episode built around. So thank you for that question. Uh, our last listener submission. Uh, this is a great question and one that will be reoccurring throughout. And it's, what's your why? Meaning, mm -hmm. what motivates you for the work you do every day? This could be a personal experience, experience with a client, or just a general belief or motivation you have. And Madeline from Grand Rapids, Michigan writes, my motivation comes from seeing other technicians whose clients have come so far when I first met them that helps me want to make a significant difference in a child's life over time. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think, you know, within behavior analysis, we have such a such a privilege to to develop these these ongoing relationships with clients and to see progress over, in many cases, a number of years and to see a child where they started when they were three or four and see them all the way through graduating out of services and entering into general education classrooms. It is the best thing. It is, it is my why as well. So thank you, Madeline, for that excellent submission. As we finish off our you know podcast every week, we will more than likely, you know, be getting better at going through the content in, in, a, in a way that allows us to get all that content in. But I, I just want to, you know, try to prompt everyone to keep sending us more content, keep sending us more questions and know that we're here to support you. And, you know, we are BT strong. You know, I think at the end of the day, we really appreciate the hard work and efforts that you do. And, you know, particularly for this podcast, I, I can't emphasize enough that Brian and I have been in, and consider ourselves still behavior 
analytic folks as well as behavior technicians. So at the end of the day, we are with you uh, and are excited to create this content for you in a way that we uh, hope will be helpful to help you do the great work that you do even better. Yeah, I could I couldn't have said it better myself, Braden. And and truly, you know, this podcast is just an extension of you know, our desires to to be of service to our behavior technicians who are of incredible service to our clients and families. So we want this podcast to be a reflection of your values, your 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 feedback, your thoughts. And we want this to be just a great ongoing conversation. And we look forward to many more episodes to come. So Thank you to our listeners for joining us for our first episode of the BT Focus podcast. Be sure to send us some feedback at btfocus at centuryhealthcare.com or give us a ring on our Google Voice account and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So until then, take care. Until then. Thanks, Brian. Good work. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the BT Focus podcast. As we learn more about the stories and the science behind applied behavior analysis, 